This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, July 26th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Your social media presence could be a deal maker or deal breaker when you're applying for a job. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, fresh data from the housing market is out ahead of tomorrow's interest rate announcement from the Federal Reserve. We're joined by Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. On the housing uh, price front, uh, the Case-Shiller numbers for May are out. And uh, while prices uh, did increase once again by just 1%, it's the lowest increase in quite some time. Yeah, see, the Case-Shiller index, it, you know, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it lags quite a bit. Um, but uh, it shows that prices have been decelerating. That is, the year-over-year percentage change has been getting lower for about the past uh, 12 months. So um, there's evidence there that it is uh, showing the slowdown in housing. And, of course, we have the the, the new single-family homes data out today, and that's a June report. And in that, uh, house prices uh, fell month-to-month for the second month in a row, and you had median prices up only 7.4% over 12 months, and average prices up even less, only 5.8%. And those numbers are a long way from the 20% in Case-Shiller. Now, is this a, a sign that uh, the housing market is just simply going from white hot to red hot? Uh, it's still brisk, but the temperature is nowhere near as high as it used to be. Or is this a sign of something more dire? Yeah, well, it's it's more like a sign that somebody unplugged the stove and it's not going to get hot again for quite a while until somebody plugs it in again. Uh, something fundamentally has changed in the housing market, and it's that prices are high. It's that interest rates have risen and are rising, and that when you put those two combinations together, you get some of the most unaffordable housing that we've seen in the United States in quite a long time. Housing Affordability Index is a combination of um, what, what interest rates are, what mortgage rates are, what housing prices are, and what uh, median income is. Um, because you use those things, you put them together, you figure out where your house payment is, you take that as a percentage of your disposable personal income, and you get this index of affordability. And the affordability index is uh, has been crushed. Consumer confidence falling again in July for the third month in a row. And uh, it's it's an interesting observation that these consumer confidence levels are not only at recessionary benchmarks, but they're the, the, the lowest they've been since 2008 or 2009 when the economy was considerably worse by every single measure. Uh, I think this just goes to show you that uh, inflation and higher gas prices, they affect everybody. And they, uh, as these uh, numbers show, they bring everybody down. 
Well, you know, the old joke about the guy who jumped off the Empire State Building, and as he passed the 80th floor, somebody asked him, how's he doing? And he said, so far, so good. <laughs> you know, um, the, that's the problem. People can kind of see where we're headed with this. And, of course, in, in the conference board report today, um, you know, if you look at the, the percentile standing of the expectations index, it gets lower than this about 6.4% of the time. But the present situation gets weaker than this only about 76% of the time. So we're still in the top 25%, largely because of the emphasis in, in the current index on the labor market. The labor market is still strong, and it's still carrying this to relatively firm readings. Now, in the Michigan survey, everything is weak. Uh, the current conditions survey, expectations, it, Michigan is weak across the board. But in conference board, the present situation index is still quite firm. Bob Bruska, chief economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, making sure your social media doesn't hurt your job chances. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Many employers are checking the social media presence of prospective workers as part of the application process. Let's discuss what you should do to clean that up with Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Uh, At first blush, uh, this is the warning you give to uh, high school and college students saying, cool it with the pictures of you holding cocktails (laughs) or doing something irresponsible. Yes, it's youthful exuberance, but uh, that's going to come back to bite you in the future. Is that uh, usually uh, rule number one, or does this apply to everybody regardless of age? Well, it definitely applies to everyone regardless of age. And what I've found doing several stories on this over the past year is that we think, oh, it's private. I Only my friends and family can see it. Or, oh, does anybody really care? Everybody's seeing outrageous things. But I heard from several people who either uh, they didn't get into college, Harvard, Cornell, Marquette. Um, they didn't get into those colleges based on things they had posted on social media. And <clears throat> people haven't gotten jobs. Uh, one gentleman told me he was in an interview. They took his social media pages, saw a picture of him drinking when, you know, 10 years ago, disembarking a cruise, and they basically accused him of being an unreliable alcoholic. So it, it truly is all about perception. And that's the biggest thing that we're doing to to give our perception out to the masses these days. And what are, I mean, obviously, you know, something like that, um, it, it sounds like the burden then falls on the employer for possibly uh, 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 discriminatory hiring practices if they're going to ding you for a vacation picture from over a decade yeah. ago. Uh, what about people who want to post about their own political beliefs on social media or their religious beliefs or, you know, things that that, uh, they have the right to express as an American under the Constitution and should not factor into a hiring decision. But are, are politics a big deal breaker for a lot of employers? They really are. And, you know, you can't hold the employer or prospective employer's feet to the fire and say, I know you didn't give me this job because of this. But many uh, recruiters, hiring specialists told us, Absolutely. All of that plays a factor in whether you get hired or not. Any posts about sensitive issues, sure, free speech is a right, but freedom from the impact of our words, of our content in general, isn't. And a recruiter or would-be manager could easily dismiss you as a candidate um, 
over any kind of comments that kind of rub them the wrong way. That is just the, the world that we are living in today. And it's easier to face those facts and try to fight against it right now. And then very quickly, Jennifer, uh, some bullet points for uh, detoxing your social media. Uh, so you have no showstoppers when it comes to finding a new job. Uh, well, it's really, really good to go through your settings, your privacy settings, your privacy tab, just set the only people who can see things on your feeds to you, if you can, you can download an archive of your data. You can also pay somebody else, like brand yourself. We'll scour the internet for things that could turn off a prospective employer or college admi- college admissions officer. Hundred bucks, brand yourself, Scrubber Social. They'll kind of look for all those red flags for you. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com based in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, Walmart cuts its profit outlook. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Shares of Walmart are down sharply as it cuts profit projections. Let's update retail with Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Walmart says that uh, inflation and food and energy is forcing their customers to spend more on that uh, than they would on uh, clothing and electronics. Um, Obviously, inflation, a big uh, pressure point for uh, retailers like Walmart uh, that are uh, hitting the middle and uh, middle lower tiers of the economic strata. But uh, at the same time, you know, everyone bought their everyone bought their big ticket items in 2020 and 20. 2021 and have moved on to something else. Is that also playing into some of the pressure in the retail space? Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Two things are happening, right? If you're a lower income consumer, a lot more of your money is going into gas and into food than it ever has before. Walmart actually raised their sales number because they're gaining share in groceries and more than half of their business is groceries. But it's low margin business, so they had to reduce their earnings number. So that consumer, maybe the bottom 40% of the economy, is buying more gas, more food, less other stuff because they don't have a choice because gas and food has become so expensive. On the other hand, the upper part of the economy has said, I want to go places, I want to do things, I want to have fun. And I already bought all that stuff for my house and my yard. So I'm only going to buy high end apparel and cosmetics and jewelry and shoes and things that I can take with me or wear out when I go to these experiential things. So that hurts Walmart because even though they're the largest apparel seller in the country, they're selling mostly lower end apparel and not really kind of what you think of as going out clothes. So they're not getting to participate in that. And that apparel that they bought that they brought in during COVID and is finally starting to show up in volume, they're having to mark down. So there's kind of a tale of two consumers here, a richer consumer who hasn't felt the pressure yet. You notice I said yet, and a lower end consumer who's already feeling the pressure. Now the upper end consumer will feel the pressure if we're really going into a recession, but we don't know that yet. And then uh, potentially, though, with uh, with with just the size and scale of Walmart, uh, if they do mark down electronics and clothes, does that does that have the potential to uh, create some uh, inflationary relief just by uh, you know the the company's sheer size? Yeah, I said about three months ago, two months ago, that I thought goods costs were peaking. 
from the point of view of inflation. I haven't changed my mind on that. I believe the inflation component of goods has peaked. And I think Target is marked down and showed us that. Walmart's marked down and we're seeing markdowns in other places as well. Best Buy, other people are doing the same thing. And so we're still, though, seeing the inflationary pressure on wages and we're still seeing it in services. And so gas and groceries are still seeing it. Jan Rogers Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, still ahead in Travel Tuesday. Ideas for a multi-generational travel trip. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago rolls out the welcome mat for the Democratic National Convention Committee. St. Louis and other parts of Missouri dealing with flash floods today. In Travel Tuesday, strategies to plan a family trip that involves multiple generations. Natural gas hits its highest level in nearly 15 years, that carrying serious implications for the economy. WBBM Business, the Markets are lower. The Dow is down 85 points. The Nasdaq is down 183. The S&P 500 is down 34. AccuWeather says sunshine today, mixing with some clouds, a high of 82, 79 degrees right now. As the as the Newswatch continues, members of the Democratic National Committee are in Chicago to discuss making the city home to the party's 2024 convention. Mayor Lightfoot says Chicago still reaping the benefits from hosting the Democratic National Convention back in 1996. The convention sparked development around the United Center, leading to the restaurant shops and residences we see today in the West Loop and the Fulton Market uh, District where we are in right now. The 2024 DNC uh, convention has the same power to revitalize, um, and we are ready to harness that power. Governor Pritzker, Senator Tammy Duckworth, and other community, business, and political leaders were also on hand to push Chicago's convention bid at an event this morning. The St. Louis area has been inundated with record rainfall, and as WBBM's Mike Krauser reports, flash floods are making it a busy day for emergency crews. One St. Louis resident called our sister station, KMOX, and said his neighborhood was cut off by flood water. He summed it up like this. And I just wanted the people to know that they might as well just get back in the bed because they're not going anywhere. Interstates, highways, roads all over the area, impassable. Frank McCall, the chief of the Ferguson PD, and Corporal Dallas Thompson of the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Uh, we've had to rescue at least eight people that were on t- is that so bad that they were on top of their vehicles. If we can get people to stay home uh, throughout the morning, stay off the roadways, that to give our you know, first responders opportunities to get to those people that are needing uh, the immediate help. 
uh, and not having to stop and check on other people that are trying to get across flooded roads. There have been closures on every major interstate in the area. That's the story from St. Louis. The noon business hour continues at 1232, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clear Set Advisors, based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us once again today. Uh, last week, the uh, arrow uh, pointing at uh, two items. Uh, one says recession, the other says not recession. Uh, last week, the arrow was pointing towards not recession, which is why we had a nice little uh, bounce on Wall Street last week. Uh, but now it appears uh, the recession worries are back again. Um, what are some uh, data points that could uh, calm the markets later this week? Well, it, it is uh, uh, Fed Day tomorrow. Uh, uh, Jay Powell will be making comments on what he sees in the economy, inflation, and interest rates, uh, and that's going to be pivotal. Then on Thursday, uh, you get the uh, the uh, GDP figure, and uh, the, the estimates are that it's slightly positive, uh, but that's easy to miss. And if it goes negative, that'll be two quarters in a row. Uh, of negative GDP, and some people interpret that as a recession, although uh, most would say that uh, the first quarter decline was mostly inventory and non-demand-related factors. So even if you do get two um, uh, consecutive quarters, it will not signal a recession. And then uh, Friday you get uh, income and spending, consumer income and spending, and also more inflation numbers. So uh, I have to say we're, we're in a situation now where we're uncertain in terms of inflation, we're uncertain in terms of interest rates, we're uncertain in terms of the depth of the economic slowdown, and we're uncertain in terms of profits. Uh, and so you really have to rely on incoming data, and I think the markets will adjust day-to-day and week-to-week to that data. The consensus for an interest rate hike tomorrow are uh, you know 75 to 100 basis points, uh, three-quarters of a percent to a 1% hike. Um, if uh, if if the, uh, the Fed turns out to be more hawkish tomorrow, uh, how would the markets react? Well, I think the initial reaction uh, might be negative for fear that they're slowing, uh, they're raising into a slowing economy. Uh, but there, there might be an afterthought that let's get it over with. Uh, let, let's get, have the Fed get to where it wants to go uh, so that the markets and the economy can adjust to it uh, over coming months. So I don't think it'll be a disaster if they're more hawkish. Uh, but uh, to tell you the truth right now, it's a coin flip as to whether they're going to um, uh, be more or less hawkish than they've been. The real question is, what are they going to do in September, and what are they looking at in the fourth quarter of the year? The markets are pretty much priced in 75 basis points tomorrow and 75 for September. I think the markets would react negatively if they thought you were going to get further 75s after that. Is The uh, the, the big news tomorrow uh, may not come out from the announcement itself, but uh, there could the potential for a lot of market-moving news could happen in, the, uh, in, in Jay Powell's news conference afterward. Yes, it's the news news conference is much more much more important than the announcement itself since they're likely to do 75 they don't like to support the markets but what he says in terms of what he sees in the terms of the slowing economy and possibly peaking inflation uh, is very important. And if he gives any indication as to what he's going to do beyond September, that would be important, although I, I think he's unlikely to do that. I think the, 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 the statement will be uh, supportive of 75 tomorrow and 75 in September. 
Uh, and then and then we'll have to see, you know, these in- interest rate increases take effect with a lag. So I don't think they're going to know what they're going to do in September until they get to September, because uh, the, 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 the recent interest rate increases are just now working their way through the economy. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors based in New York, coming up next in Travel Tuesday, putting together a trip for just several generations of the family. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, and the focus today is on vacations involving various generations of family. Let's get some insight from Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, Arizona. The website, travelbta.com. But today, Angie is... uh, Quite a bit of a couple of miles away from uh, Scottsdale in a place called Costa Rica. Angie, thanks for uh, joining us today and from such an exotic location. Uh, let's begin in Costa Rica, as a matter of fact. Uh, a, 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 that's kind of the place that you would book a uh, multi-generational family vacation because it has a lot of things for do, a lot of things to do for people uh, at, at different points in their life. Oh, for sure. I'm staying at a very remote lodge called Rio Perdido. And I don't know if you can hear, but in the background, there's like waterfalls. It's just such a tranquil environment. But why it's really so great for multi-gen is that it offers so much variety. Costa Rica offers adventure. It offers relaxation, wellness, beach. So there really is something for everybody. Are a a lot of uh, groups coming to you talking about multi-generational family trips? Because uh, my own observations is that uh, as as we emerge from the pandemic and and come into a a COVID-19 endemic type of existence, that uh, you no doubt know this, a lot of families are making up for a lot of lost living in 2020 and 2021. And and what might have been, you know, one family going to some other country is now mom, the kids, and the grandkids uh, going to Ireland or going to Iceland or going to Europe. Uh, Is that something a lot of families are doing? Yes, the trend has absolutely increased uh, post-pandemic. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. I have five brothers and sisters, and we miss, you know, my parents' big anniversary. We miss, you know, rescheduling wedding events, graduations, and things like that. So that really urges the family to come together. And traveling, which has been something that is put on hold, really allows the, the families to kind of do uh, meet the goal of traveling, but also meet the goal of getting together with family that they may not have seen or been able to enjoy as frequently during the pandemic, especially if people live you know, in different states. You know, traveling here, you know, just having stayed at, at one resort, we're at the front end of our trip, I've seen three, four, five families uh, traveling together in groups of 15 to 20. So we're seeing that multi-gen. In some cases, you're seeing mom, dad, adult children, you know, where there is more of a focus on adult travel. And then in other cases, you're even seeing, you know, the grandchildren. And what, what, really allows you to accomplish a lot in multi-gen is the ability to spend a lot of time together when you're traveling, but still to be able to properly properly accommodate the family. Obviously, as a travel advisor, you would suggest uh, getting a travel advisor, but uh, as families get larger and more unwieldy and you have uh, competing interest groups and, 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 and everyone wants to see and do something different, uh, is a travel advisor really the most prudent thing to do just to balance all of those competing interests and making sure that uh, everyone who has an idea and what they want to do, that, uh, that desire is satisfied? Yes. I mean, we plan all different types of vacations from, you know, weddings to anniversary and honeymoon travel. But I will tell you, 
I get so much satisfaction, as does my team, when we are able to support multi-gen travel because it really, um, in talking to the grandparents, the appreciation and the gratitude for the services that we provide them, we really focus on not everyone in the family uh, may have the same, you know, interest or activity levels. And maybe it's an issue of budget where we really have to balance, you know, one, you know, half of the family can afford the same type of hotels as another. And uh, travel restrictions as far as, you know, how many days can one family travel versus another. So we do within the group, we make sure that we maximize the value of the experience of the group, but we also um, look at the individual parts to make sure that everybody is really able to maximize their vacation because it is their time. And we have to look at each person in the group as an individual, as well as the families. And we ask a lot of questions. We've done this enough to know which questions to ask to really uncover what's most important and where are the pain points? You know, you have to remember when you travel with groups, you have a lot of personalities uh, to manage as well. Well, I'm going to let you get back to that waterfall, Angie. Angie Rice, the co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, Arizona, joining us from Costa Rica today. The website, travelbta.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, an update on the soaring price of natural gas. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Natural gas prices are surging across the globe, hitting their highest level since 2008. Let's get the latest from Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with the Price Group based in Chicago. Phil, thanks for joining us once again. And uh, this is simply an offshoot of the economic warfare that exists between Europe and Russia as the invasion of Ukraine grinds on. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we saw these prices start to skyrocket uh, after uh, Russia cut off supplies to Ukraine or reduced natural gas flows, and that caused the market to go up. But here in the United States, we're doing our part to drive up demand as well. Uh, this record breaking temperatures across the parts of the country is causing people to turn on their uh, air conditioning. They're using a lot of electricity, and a lot of that electricity is powered by natural gas. You put it all together, we hit the highest level we've seen in prices since 2008, and probably the biggest one-month-up move for natural gas in the futures contract since they started trading it. So this is a significant move, and unlike anything we've ever seen before. And the United States, where is the U.S. as far as a, a producer of natural gas? I know it's one of the more uh, prodigious producers of natural gas. Uh, it was trying to uh, fill the gap uh, left by uh, Russia shutting off its pipelines to Western Europe, but uh, there, there's only one problem, and that is uh, got to ship them across the ocean, and that takes a long time. It does. And I, I think right now it was just announced, and this is a historic moment, that the United States is the largest um, liquefied natural gas exporter in the world. That's an amazing achievement by the U.S. energy industry because it wasn't too many years ago we were worried that the country was running out of natural gas. The U.S. flip-flops uh, from being the biggest natural gas producer in the world. They definitely have the capability. And, and we'd probably be exporting more right now, Rob, if it weren't for the fact that the Freeport LNG export terminal blew up a couple months ago. And I, I'll tell you this, if that 
export terminal comes back online, these prices that we're looking at right now might be cheap if this heat keeps up uh, and, and Russia continues to cut off supply uh, to Europe. Now, Europe did come out and say, hey, we have a non-binding agreement. We're going to reduce our demand for natural gas. But you know how those non-binding agreements go in Europe, uh, you know, uh, the proof's in the, the pudding. With uh, gasoline, high prices always cure high prices. Uh, you have people mm-hmm. electing to work from home Mondays and Fridays. You can take the train to work. You can find other ways of getting around. But when winter rolls around, you can't turn off the thermostat. You have to be in a warm and safe uh, uh, heating environment. Uh, so what's going to happen once we get to winter? Is there going to be a buildup in supply? Uh, is Can we is there a possibility this conflict may end? Uh, what's going to happen once November and December roll around? I think what may happen is it could hurt economic growth. By that, what can happen is when it gets really cold, factories that generally use natural gas to produce goods may be forced to stop producing in order to make sure the people's homes are warm. So they have these type of contracts that when prices go through the roof, uh, the uh, at-home people get first priority. So if prices go up and we get a cold winter, there's a tightness of supplies. Um, It's going to end up hurting the economy's bottom line, which we may find out tomorrow whether or not we're in the technical definition of a recession. So this could make things even worse. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with The Price Group based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 